Do you still listen to This American Life? I don't. Okay. So I don't listen to it with regularity mm-hmm. anymore. But when we go out of town, I'll still, like, search for episodes. Mm-hmm. They did a great two-parter um, on the, I think it was a, the school system. No, this, this small town in Alabama mm-hmm. and immigration in mm-hmm. this small town. It was fascinating. Sure. So I highly recommend that. What I really want to talk about is their new logo. Oh. Have you changed seen their logo? This? No, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Um, um, I need opinions. Like, they're so proud of their revamped website and their new logo. It's not this. No, that's their old logo. I think if you go... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's very different. It's very... It looks like a bank. Okay. Kate and I both agreed it feels like a conservative news magazine. Yeah. No, it looks it, like... With what, no judgment like, on a Like the New Republic or yes. something. Yeah. We said, is it... Yeah. Interesting. Because that's not their brand. Not really. Not really. Like, I don't know if they're... I haven't listened to, like, recent episodes. I don't know if they're moving more than new... That just feels... Screams news to me. Yeah. Well, and, like, that's part of the reason I, like, I didn't, like, boycott the show. But I, like, kind of just lost interest in 2016. Yeah. Because it was all politics all the time always. And I don't listen to that show for news. Yeah. Um, I listen to it for human interest stories. And for, like, I don't know, sometimes funny... Yeah. memoir pieces and stuff and I didn't need every episode to be about politics yeah. I appreciated a lot of their coverage in yeah, 2016 no, they did a good job but, but... anyway their new logo just I, I, when I opened up the podcast app we did inventory this mm-hmm. past week and we decided to listen to some episodes while we did inventory good and I could not I was like what what is this and then he taught Ira Glass talked about it and I thought I wonder if they've gotten backlash from this new website logo situation also why do people change things just why to do change people change them? things i don't know that's a good question are you gonna go see him yeah i got tickets for christmas nice that's pretty great <laughs> did i tell you i got tickets a couple years ago when he came for seven days of opening nights and i forgot i had tickets so the next day i read about his visit in the tallahassee democrat and i was like Oh, oh my no. gosh, I had tickets to this. No. So I asked for them for Christmas, not only so I could go see Ira Glass, but so that my Christmas gift could be redemption. Yes. episode 155 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and January's never felt so long. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. (sighs) It's below freezing today in Thomasville. It's so cold here, and I love cold weather. I stand by it. I love it. I will say, I don't own clothes for 22 degree weather. Right. I'm in a sweater with a flannel on top of it, and I was wearing a coat. And I have two shirts on and two pairs of pants. Uh-huh. Couldn't button my second pair of pants over the first pants. You are wearing a vest and, <laughs> and a I'm scarf. And I'm wearing a vest a and a scarf. <laughs> and I was going to wear a scarf, and then I couldn't remember where I put my scarves. Right. Because I never wear Because you don't wear them. Yeah, um, so I love this. I was also but I'm very angry at you when I woke up this morning. <laughs> Because I was like, why do I have to wake up? <laughs> why do I have to get up? At 8 in the morning in 22 degree yeah, weather <laughs> to go record a podcast. It's so cold that you don't yeah. want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's it did not snow here this time. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like, mm, if it's not going to snow, 
what What's are we supposed point? to do? Yeah. Well, and on my way up, I passed like all those little like places of standing water on the road. Yeah. They're all frozen. They're frozen. And I was like, ooh, I'm gonna go skating. <laughs> in this random, on like, just this dirty piece of, pond. I was about to say on this random pond. Um, I love it, but I understand that most of the country is probably over it. Yeah. Right about now. Um, we had some great responses to our banter about um, how winter should just shut everything down. I forget how southern we sound. Right. Because um, neither of us sounds southern. No, because we're from Florida. Right. Um, we're from, you know, as far south as you can get, and I would argue that you are from more the south than I am. Sure. Um, from Tallahassee, whereas I'm from West Palm Beach, but like... Ooh, we're not made for this. We're not. We're Regardless, not. we're not made for this. When Jordan and I vacate, so we always vacation in January, so I'm accustomed to, like, layering up warm clothes. So when we went to Chicago and to New York and to Philadelphia, I dressed appropriately. But it's like when I'm at home, I, I Those don't... Those are vacation clothes. Yes. It's everyone else's bathing suits. Yes. And so I'm like, oh, I don't... Where are those, where are those gloves I last wore last year in Philadelphia? Where's that scarf? Like, I, I don't own gloves. Oh. And, like, just putting my hands on the steering wheel this morning was so painful. Yeah, no. I didn't like it. Yeah. And your car barely starts. No, it was fine. Oh, mine. It, well, my car's brand new. <laughs> oh, so yours should. <laughs> yeah. Mine is old, so like it takes a minute to like warm up mm-hmm. in the mornings. Um, Although I did get that that um, low tire pressure indicator this yeah. morning because it's cold yeah. and air shrinks. Yeah. And I was like, I know can I, I risk it? I was like, I know I should stop, but I'm not going to. It'll be fine. Uh, I might fill up on the way home. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, but it'll be all right. We're gonna survive. We will survive. Um, come. What may we are going to survive? It feels like a combination. Did you see Moulin Rouge? Yeah. Some people have not. My husband has never seen that movie. That's a tragedy. Uh, he's never seen that movie. Come what we may. We talked about it on our first date. Oh, that's funny. Um, I love that movie. I do too. Um, I have not seen it in a decade. I saw um, some people I know were watching it a couple months ago, and I saw like a scene from it. Does and it I was hold like, up? I still love it. Okay. Um, but, like, one of the guys who's watching it is, like, a film scholar. And I, like, really wanted his take on it, but yeah. I didn't want to, like, insert myself into their conversation. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll just ask him later. Yeah, what's your, what are your thoughts anyway, on Moulin Rouge? I love that movie. All right. Um, so we're going to go a little heavier today. Yeah. Um, because I think we need to. There's a lot happening in the world, and I think we try really hard to be a space where people can take a break and listen to us banter about winter weather mm-hmm. and talk about books we love. And I like that. I, I love that. I like inhabiting that space on the internet. Um, but occasionally, because of our professions, mm-hmm. it becomes necessary to share our views and opinions, I think. It does. Um, and even if we don't necessarily share our views and opinions, we need to facilitate the actual conversation. Yeah, right? start Not the conversation. Not just become mouthpieces for one side or the other, but yeah. to actually facilitate people really listening. Because... People really talking and not just yelling at each other. And I hope, I mean, I, I don't know fully about academia, but I hmm. do know about, you know, the, the bookstore that I run. Mm-hmm. My goal for the bookshelf is to be a place where we can have conversations about hard things, difficult things, mm-hmm. uh, good nuanced conversations right. about difficult things. I think books are meant to facilitate those conversations. Right. So and I aim for that in my classroom yeah. as well. Um, not always easy. 
No, and often our opinions do kind of muddy the waters and they, a bit. And they have to on some level. Mm-hmm. I mean, I teach college, and right. so, like, my students are all mostly 18 to 20. Yeah. Um, maybe 22. Mm-hmm. Um, at the oldest, 22, for the most part. I do occasionally have, like, the what continuing education student, and those are fun. Yeah. They add a different layer to the discussion. I bet they always, do. And I always appreciate it. Um, but, I don't know, there's this stereotype that, like, young millennials don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And I can't argue with that. Yeah. Just from what I see in my classrooms. <laughs> like, my students don't know very much about anything. Yeah. Um, Which, to be fair, I don't think that's a millennial thing. I think that's an age thing. I think it is an age thing. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely an age thing. You know what I mean? As, as a millennial, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will say. And as it somebody is an age who thing. was once 18, you don't exactly. know stuff. That's you the whole point. You don't know stuff. That is exactly the point of college. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it does make these conversations difficult and one sided yeah, sometimes. One sided because Where I try to introduce the, like, interesting, controversial topic and they've maybe not heard that this topic exists. Yeah. And absolutely. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Why? How? Have you not been on the internet in the past three days? Right. Like, apparently not. Yeah. Um, and I don't understand that. Yeah. However, I have been on the internet. Yes. Um, or the watching the news. Or week, the past months, the past year. Year. Listening to, listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, Reading Twitter, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of want to start a conversation today by going back to um, an experience that we had a couple months ago where we are fans of the program A Prairie Home Companion. I will say that I've never seen Prairie Home Companion. Listen to, because it's, it's, I've a, never it's li- a radio show. I've never listened to it. It's clearly I know nothing okay. about it. So, I'm going to tell why I designed this. And that's, okay, that's great. Yeah. I, I am a fan of the show Prairie Home yes. Companion. Okay. Um, I do, even before any of the controversy, I... Like the new format with the new host, Chris Thiele, a lot better than the old format. What band was he in? Nickel Creek. Yeah. Um, and he's also a MacArthur genius. Yeah. Like, he's... He's a legit genius. Legit, amazing, talented person. Um, but the new format of the show is he essentially just has his musician friends come on, and they all just kind of jam for an hour. Yeah. And have fun banter in between. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I love listening to that on a Saturday night on NPR. Okay. Um, the old show? fine, cool, mm-hmm. you know, meant to be this, like, down-home radio show somewhere in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's fun, yeah. but I like the new one better. Okay. Um, but we had some bookshelf holiday gift tags. Yeah, so I do most of the store's graphic design, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. uh, and it was time to design our annual holiday tags. We try to change those up every year mm-hmm. so they're different and original. And I will say that I had a hard time coming up with one this year. And finally, I was like, I'm going to stick a quote on these just like I do. We have quotes on our regular gift Mm -hmm. tags, our, like, birthday gift tags or whatever. So I Googled because I wanted it to feel Uh holiday-esque. So anyway, there's this great Garrison Keillor quote that is still a great and valid quote about books being the best gift, and I forget exactly. Because you open them again and again. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. So I put that quote on, what, 500 to 1,000? I think 1,000. Gift tags um, for the holiday season. Mm -hmm. Um, And three days after we received these. I was going to say, the week we got them. Um... Garrison Keeler, the former host of A Prairie Home Companion, was accused of sexual harassment in the workplace, um, was fired from his radio station, was removed um, from Prairie Home Companion, even though he hadn't been the host for about a year. Um, Prairie Home Companion is now going to have a new name. It's being retitled to distance itself from his legacy. 
Um, and I think every episode that he hosted has been removed from the radio station's website. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, like, it's... They took it seriously. Yeah, um, Scorched Earth. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. No. Um, I don't know that he necessarily had... I don't, I don't know the details of his story. I don't think he had a button on his desk <laughs> um, to lock the door like some other prominent men. <laughs> Um, I think I read it, and I read one story about um, Garrison Keillor and was completely grossed out. Mm-hmm. Disappointed is not the word for me right. personally, because I, uh, as just evidence, I don't know. Really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, now, I will say, we have carried Garrison Keillor's poetry collections mm-hmm. in the bookshelf before. And a couple of his short fictions. Yeah, and the, his poetry collections are great because yeah. they're a great introduction very accessible. to poetry. So and I he's knew been him called the most quotable man in America, which and clearly, clearly so. so stuck him all over my gift tags. But within three days of getting his gift tags, the news broke, yeah. and all of a sudden we have a thousand gift tags with his name on with them. a controversial sexual assaulter. Yeah, um, I really don't a, want those under y'all's trees. <laughs> attached to the bookshelf brand, exactly. Um, and that's really the issue here. Yeah, so we got a really. Thoughtful, yeah. Yeah, thoughtful email from one of our listeners. For for our mailbag episode that we we responded to individually and ultimately decided not to respond to on the show. Yeah. Um, but now we've revised that opinion. Because so much has happened since then that it feels like this is a relevant topic. So the message that we got from this listener was basically, hey, saw you guys, basically Chris and I. On our personal Instagram. On our personal Instagram accounts. Our, show ourselves cutting his name off of a thousand tags. Because yep. um, that was my work for the morning. That was because, and I will say, as the proprietor of the bookshelf, I felt like not necessarily that I was personally disappointed in Garrison Keeler, although I'm always disappointed when a man cannot keep it in his pants. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> um, my issue was hey, his name is now all over stuff that really belongs to the bookshelf. Right. This is the bookshelf brand, as you said. This is something going on every one of our wrapped gifts this holiday season. And it's really unfair to push that man's behavior and legacy onto customers. Exactly, and have it attached to... And have it attached to our brand and our legacy. Right. So rather than print a thousand more gift tags, which... Is expensive. Is expensive and would have re- required me to redesign gift tags. We just decided, let's just cut his name let's off. Let's cut the quote off the bottom. Or yeah. not even the quote. No, cut we just the name cut his name. Bottom. We That's left right. the quote. We just cut his name off. Um, I received zero in-store complaints nope. or comments. Not a single one. Um, and again, on our personal Instagrams, admittedly, I, as a woman... And as a business owner who had just paid for a thousand gift tags, was frustrated that day. And so as a kind of joke, like moment of um, levity, I posted myself cutting his name Mm -hmm. off of our Christmas tags and put it on my personal Instagram story. I had it on my story and then I made a post as a feminist, as an ally. I am fed up with this. Yeah. And now it has a name. We call it Time's Up. Yeah. Um, And I had to make a post because I'm just tired of it. Yeah. I see it in my workplace. Yes. Um, I have seen it in my workplace, um, and it's horrifying, and it makes me very angry. Very few things make me angrier um, than this. And so I 
I made a post. And as a result, this listener wanted to know, I think the very thoughtful This is a great question. question. Of, I, I want to be very clear that we appreciate this yeah, question. We love this question. Yeah, this thoughtful question of, hey, you know, you guys Saw these things. removed uh, Garrison Keillor's name from your tags, um, but I'm sure you carry, for example, Bill O'Reilly's books mm-hmm. or... I don't know if she named anybody else. Bill O'Reilly was the big one. Yeah, but you I'm sure you still carry Bill O'Reilly's books. How do you differentiate? How do you decide what to keep on your shelves when it's something you may or may not disagree with? Right. Which is a great question. It's a fantastic question because it's a very difficult issue in book selling. Absolutely. Um, and I and I would say a very difficult issue in book selling in the South. Yes. And that that's the next thing I was gonna say was we don't have the, I don't know, I don't want to say luxury, but I will just for expedience. We don't have the luxury of having a store in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, we live in the South. We live in small town Georgia. For the record, I don't want a store in Brooklyn. Yeah, no, I don't really <laughs> either. Yeah. But I mean... I, I, I prefer my little burg in I don't, South Georgia. And I'm not saying that we're, you know, the kind of people who could have a store in Brooklyn. I could not look I don't, at me. Look at me. I, 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 I am. They don't yeah. want me. They don't want me up there. Oh, <laughs> well, Fair. <laughs> But, I don't know. The different bookstores in different places. Have different clientele. Absolutely. And have different ideologies that have to be attached to their store. And that's the beauty of the independent it bookstore. Is. It's beautiful. And that's why when you go to an independent bookstore in Kansas City or Denver, Colorado or San Francisco or Thomasville, Georgia, hopefully, yes. if the proprietors are doing their jobs well, you're going to see different titles at each mm-hmm. one of those stores. And you will see titles that maybe represent the local population and also titles that, rep- that represent a challenge to the dominant ideology of that local population. Absolutely. That's what a good bookstore does. I ho- Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. That's a the good, goal. A good bookstore should be encouraging conversation on both sides. Mm-hmm. A good bookstore should be encouraging everyone to question their ideals, their values, their, I don't know, um, knowledge mm-hmm. in general. Um, and I hope that we do that. Yeah, and I one of the things I said to this listener was for me, the Garrison Keillor issue was different because it was affiliated with the bookshelf as a brand. Exactly. This wasn't something I was offering up for sale. Right. This was something I was sticking on every wrapped gift, regardless of the customer's personal preferences. Admittedly, Bill O'Reilly is a difficult subject in my area, in our area, because we sell those Killing Lincoln, Killing Kennedy, those historical biographies. We sell those all the time. And those are very popular. They're extremely popular. I have not read them, but from what I understand, they're not badly written. No, and and let's be clear, Bill O'Reilly probably didn't write them. Let's be clear, Bill O'Reilly definitely (laughs) did not write them. But he has his name But his name is on it. His name is big on the cover, and he gets a cut of the profits from it. Yeah, and my customers generally, not all, all, but many of them love those books and cannot wait for the next one to come out. And I stock them. And I continue to stock them. And I recommend them. Yeah, despite perhaps... Um, not really liking Bill O'Reilly's personal, um, it's not even politics that I take issue with. It's what his, is it? His, his, per- his personal ethics. Yeah, his personal ethics uh, that I disagree with. Yeah. Um, but I keep them on my shelves. I keep them, and this is what I told the listener, and obviously this is something as a staff we talk about all the time. As a bookstore owner, I am constantly thinking about this, especially in current culture. Um, but I stock them. Because I have to trust my customers. I have to trust that my customers are going to come in and 
I can't, if they come in and say, hey, I want Killing Lincoln, do you have it? I can't really, I don't feel comfortable saying, no, we don't sell that here. Um, Now, what I personally love the most is because we live in a small town, Mm -hmm. I have customers who buy Killing Kennedy, Killing Lincoln, and maybe there's no new Bill O'Reilly book out. Or maybe that customer has become comfortable in my store Mm -hmm. and they've bought enough previous books for us to finally get to have a conversation where I say, I've I've seen that you like these. May I show you this book Mm -hmm. or this author instead? That's what I love about book selling. And and if you can get comfortable, luckily in our small town, you can get comfortable pretty quickly with your customer base and your clientele, you can maybe have a conversation or point a customer in a different direction than they would have originally right. gone. Um, so And not push your personal ideology on anybody. Absolutely, but instead just maybe, hopefully, the whole goal of reading is to open each other's minds exactly. and, to, and to kind of explore things that we wouldn't typically explore. The, the book that did this most for me last year was This Is How It Always Is by right. Lori Frankel. Like, I had never thought about those issues mm-hmm. in that way until I read her book. Right. And so that's what we're trying to do at the bookstore. And, you know, do I struggle? Do I put Bill O'Reilly's books in a prominent end cap location anymore? No, No, because I don't really appreciate his personal ethics. And I don't want that to become the brand of the bookshelf. And we will happily stock it for you. That's right. We will happily get it for you if you want it. We're not going to refuse to carry someone's ideas because we hate them and to be clear these bill o'reilly books and i just keep using him as the example that's the example the listener brought up and he's a prominent figure who's also been accused of sexual assault right but his books are not about his personal ethics or his personal politics except that one that came out last year yes which i think old school which i don't think ironically I don't know that we sold very many of those. Uh, compared to the killing books? At no, all. Absolutely right. not. That's not what my customers are interested right. in. They want the history. They want the history. They don't care about his politics. That's right. And I think that's encouraging. Yeah. And so one of the reasons I feel okay about stocking those books is because that's not his personal manifesto. Right. Um, you know, I don't know that Matt Lauer has a book, but we don't, We I don't, I don't know that I would carry it because undoubtedly it would be about his personal, right. you know, right. ethics and politics. And now when a person like this writes a book called, say, Modern Romance, right, and has then been accused of some, like, pretty icky things, yeah. that's a book I don't want anymore. Yeah. Because that is a book about dating yeah. in the 21st century by a person who does it in a way that I don't want to yeah, and I have a hard time with that, right? Yeah. Um, because I read that book. I did too. I didn't see anything problematic about it. Nope. I thought it was interesting. Um, I think, I don't know that it's on our shelves right now because it's a few years old. And yeah. honestly, dating books... Uh, <laughs> we don't need them. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and they, um, they're they not timely anymore. Yeah. Like, life changes or our world changes right. so fast. And that, that book came out in 2015. Yeah. The, it's already dated. It's outdated. Um, so I don't think that's on our shelves right now. I don't know that yesterday or two days ago I would have gone out and in a huff removed it right like i removed garrison keeler's names from our tags i did remove from my personal bookshelf yeah because you bought it exactly and it's your shelf and you get to decide that's very different from a store the bookstore shelves are not mine 
Right. They belong to my customers. Exactly. And do I get to do I get the privilege of curating them? Yeah. Yes. I do. And that is a privilege I do not take lightly. Yeah. Um, but it is th- these are such tricky. Yeah. God, they're so they're such tricky issues. And if you're a listener and you have wondered these things, just know I bet most booksellers are like us and struggle with this. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's hard. It's very hard. Um, and it's not something we take lightly. No. Um, and I try really hard to, you know, at one one week, it was really funny, back in 2016, obviously, when election stuff uh-huh. was happening, um, in the span of probably three to five days, I had two different customers, not regulars, just kind of, just customers, uh, come into the shop, one of whom pulled me aside and asked why I had so many, cons- so much conservative literature mm-hmm. on my shelves, and then not two to three days later, another customer pulled me aside to ask why I had so much liberal literature on my shelves. And honestly, like at first, my anxiety and aggravation yeah. level rose so high, I could feel my face flushing. And then when I had a minute to think, I thought, nope, I must be doing something right, that I have somehow offended both <laughs> both parties and both sides. <laughs> because I do think in the bookstore, what we try to do, and you see it on our political end caps or just on our end caps in general, and you and I, I think, come from this because of a great books training, yep. books often are in conversations with themselves. Yes. And so on our end caps, um, end caps are the ends of our bookshelf, bookcases. There are displays. There are displays. On our displays, you hopefully are going to see books that are going to make you think a little bit. They're placed that way on purpose. Um, they're placed that way so that you can read one person's view and, and then, then get another person's view. Yeah, and so that that particular week, I did get so frustrated, and then I realized, no, that obviously means we're doing something okay because we're covering both sides, we're featuring both types of books, both kinds of authors, and often on the same shelves because we want you as a reader, I want as a reader, to be thinking about things from all angles and sides. So anyway, that's kind of where we get down on it. And I kind of think if you're not reading people and ideas that you disagree with, then you're not doing it right. Yeah, it, and at least start small. Start small. Even, you know, I'm not, at, you know, we all also like to read in our comfort zones. Of course we do. So I, I'm not advocating that you completely abandon your personal Certainly views. Certainly not. But, but, but challenge them sometimes. Ch- challenge them. Try to see least, another person's perspective. I was going to say, and at least try to see why your neighbor might think differently from exactly. you. Exactly. So we've got a few book recommendations mm-hmm. to that, help you with this. That we hope are timely yeah um that are related specifically to the me too and the time's up yes um that's been in the news so much thanks to some celebrities at the golden globes um this is what we're talking about in our culture right now so here are some books to maybe expand your own worldview or get you to see another person's worldview and so the first two we've got are by chimamanda and gozi adichie um, the first is called We Should All Be Feminists. The second is called Dear E.J. Awele, A Feminist Manifesto and 15 Suggestions. These are short books, you they guys. Are, they are one sitting <laughs> You books. can read them in, like, almost in a commercial break of a show you're watching. Yeah, binging. they're both about 75 pages. Yeah. Um, with, like, pretty big Yeah. Pretty big Because font. they're almost giftable books. Yeah. Uh, Galentine's Day is coming up, They're you guys. perfect Galentine's Day they're books. They're great gifts. Um, they are single-sitting books. They are re-readable books. Mm-hmm. I think people might balk at the like paying normal 
like sixteen dollar yeah price for these tiny books, but like you're gonna read them more than once. Yeah, you're going to come back to them. I've read your dear E J O L A three times, I think, mm-hmm. and I've had it for a year. And um, make no mistake, I love. Um, Adiche's just her prose and the way she writes the is way she really writes is so beautiful nice. um, and entirely readable. Yep. So um, these are not like beach over the head with ideology books. These no. are here's some things I've been thinking about. Yeah. And why do we do things this way? I find her voice so refreshing. It is. It really is. I love her. Um, if you haven't read her, she has plenty of interviews on YouTube. I think she speaks a lot like she writes. Mm-hmm. So try that first and then see what you think. Yeah, that's a great point. She's so eloquent. Uh, I'm going to name just a few fiction titles yeah, really please. quick, kind of rapid fire. Young Jane Young. Mm-hmm, which uh, we've talked about a lot. We've talked about it all the time. I know some of you hate that book. Some of my own book club members felt meh about that book. Say what you will. It's timely. You'll have great conversations with your friends if you read it. Um, Young Jane Young. Big Little Lies. Yep. I actually think is a really great, not just because of kind of the conversation Reese Witherspoon and Laura Dern are having very mm-hmm. publicly about these kinds of issues, um, but Big Little Lies covers some really tough issues. It really does. Um, Dumplin', which is a great YA novel. I loved that book, and again, I think it covers some really um, fascinating subject matter. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Of course. I think along with Dumplin', um, The Impossible Fortress that we talked about, Yes. Lately, um, talks about this from a young man's perspective, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's important, um, and it shows his personal growth in understanding that women are people. Um, he does not start there, but I think he ends there. Okay. I love, but I also know this book is fairly problematic in parts. I loved Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Right. I also have loved Sheryl Sandberg in the years since Lean In originally came out, admitting that a lot of what's in Lean In is for white Right. Uh, middle class, upper middle class women, which, by the way, I fall under. Like right. that's who I am. Yep. I can't help that, but I can acknowledge it. And so she, I think, in the years since writing that book, has acknowledged that some of that is problematic because of her privilege. Right. Um, but I still stand by some of the principles in that book for making a way in your workplace. And, and finding your voice at the table. Right. Um, and then you have a fun... Yeah, there's a there's a response to that that's called, if you lean in, won't just won't men just look down your blouse? Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, I think, a collection of essays. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not read this. It's on Kelsey's bookshelf, and I just remember talking about it one time. Um, and that's important to mentioned too like yeah we have not read many, all of these we've read all those fiction titles i was about to say many of these we have read but not all of them yeah there are a couple we haven't um what else do you have so these actually these titles are um some nonfiction that i well first of all i have read and loved you'll grow out of it mm-hmm. jesse klein uh, very funny she's a writer for amy schumer's show I know Amy Schumer. Also problematic. Also problematic. Let's face it, we're all a little bit problematic. We are, and that's important to recognize. (laughs) Um, But I think You'll Grow Out of It covers some of these same themes. And then some nonfiction I have not read, um, but really have wanted to and just have not made the time. Men Explain Things to Uh Me. Have you read her? I haven't. Rebecca Solnit. I'm, I'm very curious about that one. I, believe it or not, never read Bad Feminist by okay. Roxanne Gay. And I did read that. Okay. Um, I think as a collection of essays, it's uneven on a literary okay. level. Yeah. Um, but the ideas she explores in there are very good and very important. And we did read Difficult Women, uh-huh. which is her short story collection, which I had a hard time with in parts, but I do... Again, it, that was reading outside my comfort exactly. zone. Exactly, and that's a little worldview expanding. It right? ad- yeah. You're, you're definitely seeing life 
from another person's eyes. I at eyes. least know that view exists now, right. even if I disagree with some right. of it. Like, I still know that's people think that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Shrill. Lindy West. Lindy West, yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't read that, but I've listened to a lot of interviews with her. She did a great piece on, ironically, This American yes, Life. Yes, that's yeah. the one I was thinking of where she talked about her dad, right? Yeah. And, like, being harassed online. Yeah. Um, that's a really intense. great episode. I was thinking about it this morning, weirdly. Yeah. Um, on my way up. Um, so Shrill came to mind, and then a couple of new titles. Um, this will be my undoing. Uh-huh. Morgan Jerkins, Jerkins yeah. I believe. Um, she is a black feminist figure. Her new book releases January 30th. Um, I am going to listen to the audiobook, and I think Kate uh, may have already started yeah. listening to it. It's a collection of essays. Um, and then the book that I think I've talked about on the podcast before, but I'm very excited about it. It's called Text Me When You Get Home. Yeah. And it's a history of female friendship and feminism. And look, again, some of it I read, and that was not how I was raised. Right. The views in there, I was like, oh, are you being derogatory to people like my mom? Or even people like me who got married young. And, right. Um, but I really appreciated a lot of it. She ties in pop culture and, and friendship and pop culture. Um, anyway, I really liked it. Very thought-provoking. Uh, text me when you get home. And then I have some... I have two books for kids. Okay, great. Okay, so... These are important, too. That's right. Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Um, there's a volume one and two. I love these. They're beautifully done. I cannot stress how graphically, aesthetically pleasing they are. Um, the, these are self-published books that through Kickstarter and through a funding campaign got published. Mm -hmm. And they are collections of historical women. There's like one woman per page. And so you've got this really beautiful, I think it'd be cool to decorate a nursery in these pictures like yeah. there's this there's like a beautiful rendition of Harriet Tubman and then there's an essay on Harriet Tubman or whatever but these are accessible for your kids and the goal I think is to read one every night before bed so good night stories for rebel girls volume one and two um and little leaders bold women in black history this book is so cool it kind of is in the same vein as good night stories for rebel girls but um more for, obviously, for Black History. I think it was released in time, you know, for Black History Month. But I'm going to keep this on our shelves year-round. I really like this one. And I admit that those are two female-centric books, but I firmly believe little boys That's can important. be reading these two. And, and should, should be. be reading these yes, two. I firmly believe that, too. Yeah. Um, this is important. Yeah. Um, and we want to use our small platform for as much good as we can. Absolutely. And so if we can be here for you, if we can recommend some good ideas for you, we are thrilled to do that. Yeah, and if you, like our listener, had questions about what we stock or why we stock what we do, or if you've listened to this episode and you've got, you're curious, you've mm -hmm. got some more questions, let us know let and us we might know. follow up either in an Instagram live mm -hmm. or um, we could do another follow-up episode if we needed to, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. Just know we're trying really hard. We are trying. Um, so you can direct your questions to podcast at bookshelfthomasville.com. Or, you know, I guess a lot of you already follow our personal Instagrams and you can contact <laughs> us there, too. Absolutely. Um, which is great. Um, we appreciate that. All right. We're at the bottom of the barrel again. Started out strong, but now we're coming up thin. Oh, we've cast our lots with all the devils of sin. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. 
From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. And if you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon, gain access to our exclusive bonus content, like our secret monthly podcast on popular opinion that we're just about to record, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch and make a small monthly donation to get that content. You can also check out our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for free web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. We finally got in some copies of Fire and Fury. Uh-huh. It has taken weeks. weeks. And we obviously had a wait list of customers who wanted that book. So we called this woman who has called, you know, every day hoping for this book. So we call her and she doesn't answer her phone, mm-hmm. but we leave a message. Anyway, she calls back the next day and says, oh, I'm coming to get it. I, I didn't answer my phone yesterday because I'm on nausea medication. We okay. all know the flu is rampant. Yeah. And... And I said, oh, well, you know, we can hold this for you. Like, we've got your name on it. We won't sell it to anybody else. Oh, no, I'm coming by today on my way to the doctor to find out what I've got. But don't worry, I'll wear a mask. And so sure enough, she wore like an allergy, you know, one of those Uh facial masks. Um, So as not to contaminate our staff with whatever germs she was carrying so that she could get her copy, her much-wanted copy of Fire and Fury. And that's what's going to make her throw up, ironically. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.